Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harris, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Burgeoning Silver Fox himself, Andrew Decker. I'm not even sure what that means. I'm just saying, I, you know, I was I'm that, sitting here across the desk, your desk, that at, you. that at 52, I'm getting a little bit of gray here. Is little, that very little gray. Well, <laughs> it's impressively, it's impressive how little gray you have at the age of 52. Y- y'all are going to want to look at our selfie for this episode and see myself wearing uh, the maroon jacket, the maroon, the maroon sweater. Yeah. And Mr. Harris wearing a plum jacket, and we'll let you decide who the silver fox is. Oh, I and, for sure. And am. I'm You're nowhere close to to mine. Twelve years older than you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have much better jeans than I got. Well, yeah, I'm actually wearing jeans. That makes a difference. That, inter- okay. Dad <laughs> joke. We should. We have a. Oh. There we go. There you go. That works. Um. <laughs> so we're going to be honest. This is kind of a filler episode. Um, we 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 do have a number of guests kind of in the pipeline. Yes, they're that like will be in. There are three guests that have agreed to be on the show. Yes. Um, one of them's going to talk about a mistrial. One of them's going to talk about the experience of being a client. Yeah. Um, and and, and Mr. Harris got him a good result. We probably won't give a whole lot of details. They're just going to talk about what it's like to be on the other side. Yeah, he'll he'll he'll. He's happy to share all that stuff, his struggles, kind of what led to him, what the charge was, and the changes in his life that he's made since those. And then a uh, another friend of Mr. Harris and mine. Um, yeah, he's uh, very active with TCDLA down in the Fort Bend County, Harris County, so Houston and, and surrounding areas. Right. Um, very, very busy attorney. Uh, just going to talk. He's actually given a CLE this week, which is why he could not be on the show. Yeah, he and I have done some CLEs yeah. together. Yeah, um, and so we'll we'll have them on, and, and we're always reaching out to people. Uh, if you have an issue that came up in trial that you just want, or maybe something that's coming up that you would like us to kind of put our give our two cents on, or you want to be a guest, because you know all our opinion is worth is two cents. Well, <laughs> I was thinking about this. Like it is, you know, we get about a thousand listeners an episode. Right. A, a month, a month. So about 500, 500 an episode. Okay, well, I'm overinflating the numbers to make me feel better. But isn't that incredible? Like, you and I together, you know... I don't know a thousand people. We're decent attorneys. Yeah, I'd say we're pretty good. Right? Um, we never back down from trials. No. We're, we're in trial pretty consistently. Um, we work really hard, uh, some would say, for, for our clients. <laughs> Um, it is amazing. It's amazing so, that people like reach out to us with, with like academic questions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's terrifying, but it's, it just kind of, it's shocking to me sometimes. Well, I, I think that one, they, if they do actually see us at work, they realize we do pretty good work. Um, this podcast, I think while a hobby and just, but it, originally we started it hoping to get business and instead, we've made connections across our profession. Yeah. Um, again, I, I did some pro bono work over the last couple of weeks because of the epi- because of our work. We've each gotten about one case. Right. Right. But, uh, but or so. You know, when you start doing pro bono work, that's actually uh, not bringing in any income. <laughs> that's, that's what that means. <laughs> um, it was based on our it's episode. A, talking this podcast about has definitely cost us more than <laughs> than brought in money. But. 
but we've become better friends. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And and originally, like I pitched it uh, to you, just kind of a, as like a you know pipe dream, I guess. Um, thinking like I just need something to kind of cure the burnout I was feeling at the time. Right. Um, but the, and but the pro bono work I yeah. got was when we talked about the uh, you know a contractor has to have a trust account. Oh, right. The money. Yeah. And uh. A little church, a little country church said, hey, we've got a contractor who never's finished his work and we think he never ordered the parts. We heard you. Would you at least talk to oh, us wow. about that? That's and great. so I've referred him to an attorney that will likely bring a, a DTPA, yeah. Yeah, yeah, deceptive yeah. trade practice, because he put in very clear terms at the head of the contract, I will follow uh, historical restoration guidelines and he clearly has not. Ooh, you know what's great about DTPA? Three times. Treble damages. Right. Plus I, attorney's fees. Yeah. Right. Wow. There's no guarantee on all that, but um, but, I, but I think this little church, hopefully we'll get some help. And so we can say we've done that. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. You know, we've had, we, we do have, uh, so we, we are looking forward to some of those future cases that we can uh, or future guests that we can bring on the show uh to provide a little bit better higher quality content for our listeners than just andrew and i rambling for 20 minutes but ramble on we shall right so uh mr decker have you ever been in a situation where you're just like completely frustrated like you're you're you feel like you're in the middle of like a client who's kind of being a little stubborn and right maybe rightfully so on what the the outcome that they want out of a case and and a prosecutor who who you know maybe even rightfully so is just not willing to budge on certain aspects of their case. Yeah, I think sometimes the uh one of the hard things about our job is that we are often the mediator. At <laughs> some point we're acting as mediator between a prosecutor and a client and so we we're we're trying to advocate for our client to the prosecutor and trying to represent our client well. And the client's like, are you not even fighting for me? And the prosecutor's like, can't you control your client? And you're like, yeah, I, I, the only person I'm supposed to really be advocating for is my client. So I don't have to control him or her. Yeah. But you also have to look at your client and go with these facts. I'm not saying you did it, but a jury is going to find you guilty. Yes. And I, I have that conversation all the time. And, yeah, and I, and I do too. And it, at some point in time, you just kind of run out of time, right? The clock is running out. The judge is looking at you. Now the judge is getting involved. Cause she's like, or they're like, hey, you know, how many times has this been reset? We, you know, we need to take a plea on it, get on the trial docket or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and it's in those moments that I just remember one of our prior guests, Neil Krug down in Houston, where he's like, Hey, but just set it for trial. Just mm-hmm. set it for trial. And that's oftentimes what we have to do. I, I do see a lot of, you know, attorneys, and you hear stories of about, uh, about a lot of attorneys that shy away from trial. A case gets set for trial, and they do everything they can to withdraw from the case, um, you know, kind of talk their client into pleading, it, which, to be clear, sometimes our clients oh, need that. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I often try to talk my client into pleading. But I tell them from the very beginning, my job is not to make you take a plea. Right. My job is to tell you the facts, good or bad. Yes. Yeah, I do too. I counsel them like, hey, I, you know, you, you may, you are entitled to a jury trial. You may want to do that, but you can't make that decision until 
you know, the entirety of the case, the state's case against you and my advice on what the likely outcome is, or what your options are. Once you have that full picture, then you can make that decision on jury trial or no jury trial or, or bench trial or no bench trial or whatever. Right. So, so, you know, I, I, um, th- we do have a couple of war stories for our listeners. Um, and I, I know, you know, over the course of my career, there's been a lot more of these over the course of your career. You've had a lot of the t- stuff in this situation where kind of like last minute, right before a trial uh, is set to begin or maybe morning of or something, you get a really great outcome on a case. Or, or some offers that you or, think my client cannot refuse this. And right. sure enough, they do. Yeah. And so I recently had a DWI third. And for our listeners keeping score at home, DWI third, two to 10 and a $10,000 fine because it's a third degree felony. Third or more. Yes, it's third or more. My guy, this literally was just his third. His first two were like maybe the first one was maybe 15 and then the second one was maybe eight years ago. Um, and so my my guy now has a job. Um, it was an interesting fact pattern because, you know, typically DWIs start with a traffic stop, right? My guy was just sleeping in a parking lot, um, which I know you've had those DWIs, oh, yeah. which still yeah. they can prove driving or operating. Operating a that, motor vehicle. In that sense, right? Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, they just think, like, I'm just going to sleep it off. Uh, I've got the AC on. I've got the radio on. And I'm just going to sleep it off. Well... That is technically operating motor vehicle um, under under certain situations. Um, but for, for the most part, it's operating, right? And so that's what happened to, to my client. But he's in a much different situation now than his first two DWIs. He's got a good job. He's a sole caretaker of his son. A felony conviction certainly is going to railroad him. Um, and And I just don't think it's warranted because he wasn't driving. He was trying to do the right thing and, and sleep it off before driving home. There also may have been some medical issues that he was experiencing at the time. We were trying to get, you know, that information from his providers. I, I, I tried to use that once because a lady ended up going to the hospital with a medical issue um, on her DWI. And the medical issue was that she had taken too much of her uh, medication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. oh, whoopsie! <laughs> um, but that can be a legit, uh, a, a legit defense. Well, um, it's, it's part of what we use to get her a really good. Well, I think yeah. we ended up getting an obstruction or something. Well, just part- any, experiencing any medical. There's a lot of like, especially like diabetics. Um, you know, they exhibit the same signs as uh, intoxication, right? Um, with having zero uh, alcohol in their system. Um, after my guy was kind of pulled out of the car, I mean, it was obvious he was he was drinking. Right. I mean, it, it was not, it, it just wasn't a good case for us. C- could you smell the alcohol through the video? <laughs> I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was one of those like leaving like, I don't know, a, a Twin Peaks or a Hooters or something like that. Right. Um, he had been there all day. It was game day. Uh, facts weren't great for us. And my guy's just sitting there like, yeah, man, been here all day, been drinking all day. Uh, I'm, I'm just super tired of drinking. And also because <laughs> it's the end of the day. And I've been here all day. Um, <laughs> so, so now not, I'm broke. Not great. I really don't know why the prosecutor gave me a great deal. But um, but anyways, we, we set it for trial. So how old is this case? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was getting on, you know, so it was a blood case. So it took a while to get filed. It was getting on like right to that year mark uh, of being pending in court. And in, in, for those of you who don't know, Tarrant County, like that, they don't like to keep their cases on, that, on the docket that long. Uh, especially not being set for 
a jury trial. Sometimes the jury trial cases will last, you know, for a while just to try waiting for an actual trial. But, right. Yeah. But this one, so we got to our first trial setting on Monday. There was 50 other cases on the docket. They had a really serious case going. And the prosecutor, what I was really surprised at, uh, the prosecutor is just like, he'll, he'll take a misdemeanor, right? And I said, absolutely. All day long. And what, whatever so, you want on that, absolutely. So hold on right there, uh, Mr. Harith. Something that our clients don't realize, and maybe uh, other listeners don't realize, and maybe even defense attorneys from smaller counties may not realize, we can go to a trial docket in Tarrant County. So, you know, one of the top five counties in the state, and I'm sure that Houston and da- I know Dallas is the same. I'm sure right. Houston, San Antonio, and El Paso are the same. And there be 50 trials set or 50 persons called for trial that day. Yes. So for this week, like you got called in on Monday, trial jury was selection would be on Tuesday. Right. 50. And so what you have to look at as you're, a pro, you know, the first couple of times it happens, you get that trial call notice. And as a defense attorney, you're printing the notebook, you're getting it all together. Cause you're like, right. Oh goodness, we're going to be going to trial. And now I look at the docket ahead of time and I have to show my client. I'm like, look, so I want to show you how many. So here's 10. There's 10 on a page. Click, click, yeah. click. You're on page three or page four halfway down. You're, you're trial number 37. And notice how many of them in front of you are in custody. Yeah. They are all going before you. We are not going for months. Yes. If we're lucky. Yeah. And 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 that's that's kind of why like in these bigger counties, I understand there's like kind of a some pressure on prosecutors. I used to be a prosecutor. I know there's internal pressure on moving cases, keeping like keeping the dockets somewhat fresh so things don't stagnate on the on the on the um mm-hmm. on your caseload. Um but it was our first trial setting. And and that just kind of goes to show you like we were set to plea a couple weeks ago. And, you know, kudos to my client for saying, man, I, I really would like to, let's just set it for trial. And I'm like, it's your case. It's your life. Absolutely. Let's do that. I kind of wish he wouldn't have told me he would have accepted the plea deal prior and we could have done this a while ago, but whatever. It ended up working out, right? And I, and I really think there's a couple of things, a couple of reasons why. One, uh, it not, I'm not knocking prosecutors at all. I, I think in in this court specifically, uh, maybe even in Tarrant County, you know, in general, um, we have some we have really hard working government employees, but but they're overworked. Um, they they have way too many cases, which means to me like they could they could be making some really awesome deals to lighten their load. And right. focus on those cases that actually need to be tried, but for whatever reason, it worked here, right? So either there, uh, I, I don't think that she was just kind of like throwing in the towel unnecessarily. I think she's probably looking at her trial caseload and is like, okay, this guy is just way at the bottom, very light history, even though it's a DWI third, and and I just want to get rid of it, right? I also don't know if maybe they had some scheduling errors with, you know, their officers or their blood analyst or whatever the case may be. Because I know that 
that has been an issue in the North Texas lately with blood analysts. Right, because, again, there are only so many blood analysts. Yeah. I've had cases where the blood analyst appeared in one court in the like early in the morning, another one late in the morning, and then in my trial in the after, or the expert, maybe not a blood analyst, right? But appeared in three courts in the same courtroom on the same day, yeah, right. In the defense world, part of what has happened is we have gone from we all know that burglary of habitation and stealing and killing are wrong. Well, there was no such thing as a DWI. 50 years ago. I mean, truly right. that people realized people can't drive, drink and drive and those were rare. And then mad came along mothers against drunk driving and, and those became more real. There were no drug offenses. Yeah. There were no, um, there were very little domestic abuse cases. Yeah. It was. So in my lifetime, the law changed that said you can't, you can't abuse your spouse. So, yeah. It, right? So there are things that weren't crimes, and so now the crime, it's not that crime necessarily has gotten worse, just more things are crime. Yeah, and, and that's not, and I don't think Mr. Decker is saying, like, you know, we should be able to abuse our spouses. Or um, drink and yeah, that's, drive That's or a do good drugs, thing, right? right? These are good things. But the increasing complexity of the criminal justice system has not, uh, has, has increased beyond the infrastructure. Yes, uh, and so th- so a lot of things have not adapted with the increasing complexity of our line of work, and so therefore the prosecutors are overworked. So part of what when you mentioned right, how, there's not how, enough resources. How busy right? they are, yeah. So in Tarrant County now, I only take third, second, and first degree cases. I don't take any state jails. I don't take any misdemeanors for retained on, cases on, on appointment. Oh, oh okay, 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 on appointment, right, right. So in February. We're not actually all the way to the end, but right. in February, how many felonies, third degree and higher, have I been appointed on? Should should be five. Eighteen. You've, oh my God. Right? So third, third, second, or first? Third, second, and first. Which you would think there's like way less first degrees than, you know, second or third, et cetera. But right. 18, 18, 18 seems insane to me. Right. So that means that in the, the four weeks, because this is truly just four week month. Yeah. The average felonies, some some stats say need to be 20 to 25 hours. I physically couldn't do the work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's why for the month month of March, I'm completely pausing because I'm going to go on vacation for a week. Yeah. Um, but I'm, clo- I'm pausing for the whole month. I will not take an appointed case out of Tarrant County for a month. You can't. And if I have 18, the prosecutor probably got 100 or uh, more. Or, yes. Yeah. Without a doubt, and that and, and again, that prosecutor also picked up state jail felonies, right? Um, so maybe maybe this uh, maybe this episode is is being more maybe we're defending prosecutors more than I thought we would ever do on this show. Yeah, uh, but they are there. You know, there's just not enough resources now. I, I think I think the counter to that is we can definitely if we're going to put more money into prosecution in the state of Texas, we absolutely need to invest in high quality public defense um, offices, uh, public defenders offices. Um, I, I think that's Good the only wheel way. attorneys, right? I mean, it, it, the it, wheel attorney. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the only way really to, to gain like equity in the system. And I think it's actually one way to relieve everybody's stress, prosecution and defense. Um, that being said, this 
episode really was more along the lines of like as defenders right we can i don't want to say manipulate let's get back we to the call say, of the question right yeah so so mr harris what was the call of question for this episode <laughs> so, okay so <laughs> i think it's uh stick to your guns really yeah that's right? what we we're going to talk about but leverage leverage how overworked the government lawyers are right and if you're not getting something do not shy away from setting it for trial. I mean, how many of us really leading into trial, leading up to trial, have gotten cases dismissed because, you know, are these overworked prosecutors, it's the first time they've actually really sat down and reviewed these cases. Or really talked to the to the IP or to the witnesses. Right, right. Um, uh, and we know a lot of prosecutors who do that routinely on their cases, and those cases seem to kind of work out. Um, but it, But you... You can, you absolutely have, um, your, your client has a right to a jury trial. And a lot of times I see a lot of attorneys just kind of folding prior to that, just because of the threat of a jury trial. Yeah, I, I see that too. And I actually counseled a client today. I spent an hour and a half on the phone with them. This is a retained client. Um, and, and you and I have talked about this case offline and I won't talk about all the details. But he said, so Mr. Decker, are you telling me I just need to sit and wait? I said, yes. At this point, you need to sit and wait because I think the state's going to have a very hard time proving their case. And they might realize that. And I provided them with evidence that yeah. says I think my guy's truly not guilty. I right. think he is innocent, right. very possibly, which scares the living tar out of me. Um, but I think when they start getting to trial, they're going to go, we've got some problems. But if they go all the way to trial, I've got... Every witness they have, I've got impeachment evidence on them. I've got their story yeah. changes. I've got that it doesn't make sense. But they haven't had the time yeah, to spend on it. They read, woman says that her husband tried to smother her with pillow. Right. Okay. Yeah. I I actually, I, I when I see a case that's just going to be an absolute clown show in trial, like everybody's got history, you know, maybe everybody's on meth. Um, I, I want to be very clear. Mr. Harith and I are not on meth. Not this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Harith, uh, uh, speaking of not being on meth, I know you're not on meth. I know I'm yeah, not on meth. Right. Um, I gave up alcohol for Lent. Good for you, man. Okay. Uh, I didn't know you uh, partook in Lent. Yeah, yeah. Methodists okay. do Lent. Right. Cool. And how do you feel? I drink a little enough that it really hasn't bothered me. Your hair's going gray. <laughs> so no. maybe that's it. <laughs> but there, there was one evening where I truly went home and I was like, I really could use a drink. Didn't have a drink that night. Good for um, you. After I finished my half marathon this weekend, I did have a drink. To, I had one drink to Ugh. celebrate that. Okay, of course. Um, <laughs> do, you see, do you guys see how he dropped a half marathon? Don't you guys hate that? <laughs> He is a runner. He he really enjoys running. And yeah, it, we've it talked about aggravates that. the crap out of me. But I, not only have I not done meth, I haven't done alcohol this you know in the last. Sometimes of weeks. Get, do it like talking on these podcasts makes me winded. I, I don't understand how you can run a friggin' marathon, half marathon. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing saying I ran all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Finish. I, don't die. Yeah, don't throw don't, in front of the ladies. Keep, Those are my rules. Walk, just walk. Um, you know, I um, but but I I, I totally lost my going train back of to the call of the question. Yeah, 
if you if you got a bunch of people that you know are meth heads, oh right, 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 as the witnesses. Oh man, I covet those trials. I mean, you, there's nothing. And and look, you know, your client may, my client in those instances, may still be found guilty, but it's it's going to be a really long deliberation. I mean, how how can a jury trust one witness who says one thing and admits to heavy drug usage? Lots of felony cases, but hey, but I know this dude over here. He's a bad guy. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. come, uh huh, well. yeah, sure, sure, pal. Yeah, but but sometimes you have to set those cases for trial because you're not going to get an offer that is reasonable. Yeah. Um. But but, it, the, but it, then sometimes you end up with that reasonable offer coming late because they're like, we don't have time to mess with this DWI yeah. third, and we won't get to this for two years. He what can be really done with probation. Will you want right. to do this? Right. Yeah. And and even if like so so right. I mean it was it just kind of made sense in that in that instance. I'm I'm going to even throw this out there. Even if you think you have a loser of a case, try it. Just if your client is willing, if your client is is on board, just try the case because one, you never know what a jury's going to do. Juries make weird decisions. We, you and I have seen it uh, time and time and time again. They will hang their hat on something you just ne- hadn't ever even thought of. <laughs> uh, two, you don't know what those witnesses are going to say on the stand. Yep. You, you have no idea. Nobody can control them. And if you've done your work and you know how to adequately cross-examine someone, you never know what they're going to say. And three, if your client is found guilty, the punishment May, you may win the punishment battle. You right. may you may get something that's that is you know a year less on probation than the prosecutors ever offered. Right, um, and that mm-hmm. is a win. Right. Yeah. Well, we've I've gotten probation on cases that were only offered pin time. Yeah. Right? No. And I and I, or even a shorter on like, probation than what was offered. You right? know, and that's that's on serious cases, right? Yeah. Oh, pin time versus probation. I I've tried cases where I was just trying. That I we were trying and it was guilt innocence, but we were trying this case from the get go, fighting for probation, right? Mm-hmm. Thought thought okay, this is gonna be you're gonna be found guilty. We're fighting for probation, and he came back not guilty. Do not shy away from trial, even on the very like the the minor cases. I, a DWI, they uh, prosecutor wanted like I think eighteen months was the lowest they would do on straight probation, and we went. We were found guilty judge gave us a year i mean that's a win yeah that's a win that is a win yeah right now obviously sometimes we have those clients where because of their they're a felony one um with special findings continuous sexual assault of a child or they're habitual we know if we go to trial the bidding's going to start at a really high number 25 oh right and yeah. so the the offer may be 15 or 20. You cannot beat the offer, but the guy or the woman is saying, I didn't do it. Or I'm not admitting to that. Okay, great. We're going to trial. But Mr. Harris, that's not on you or me, right? No, um, no. Uh, our colleagues who try capital murders, often they're just fighting for life without parole. Right. And that's really all because th- they know they know everything else going against them, but they yeah. they've got to try the case. Um, 
And if if somewhere they got an offer of fifty with the possibility of parole, they'd be taking it I in mean, a heartbeat. That, yeah, doesn't that really put things into perspective? You know, we fight and we grind away for less than a gram cases for DWI thirds mm-hmm. for misdemeanors one to four. Possession and we one have to four. we know a handful of attorneys personally that take these death penalty cases, and they're fighting for life without parole. I mean, yeah. that, that should put things into perspective. So if so if if we have some attorneys who are who who are advocating, you know, that's a win, right? There there really should be no excuse for all of our defenders to set some bunk cases for trial. Sure. And you, you and again you have to be able to sit down with your client and say, These are the good facts, these are the bad facts. And I've now gotten to where I often tell a client, especially if I'm visiting a, a an appointed client, at some point you're going to look at me and go, you're not on my side, Mr. Decker. Yeah, of course. Right? And I now tell them that up front. You're going you're gonna to think that. But my job is not to come in here and tell you flowers and butterflies right. and you know stuff like that. My job is to tell you these are the facts. Yeah. This is what I think I can do with it with a prosecutor, this is what I think I can do with it with a jury. How would you like to proceed? Right. Yeah. I always tell people I'm, I'm the, uh, you know, I'm the navigator of a ship and they're the captain. So they tell me where they want to go and I'm going to do everything I can to get there. That's a great analogy. But I, but I, I'm not in charge of, you know, the weather, the waves, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can tell them captain, I think there's I think there's an iceberg coming, and if you say <laughs> exactly. full full ship full steam ahead, yeah, we we're it. all sunk. You're the Titanic, <laughs> and it's gone. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, the only other thing that that recently that I had was um, it was a very difficult juvenile case. I do take juvenile appointments, um, and I and they're they're heartbreaking. You know, a lot of them are um, young people getting in getting in trouble. I, I always try to sit them down. And and help them see how their actions, um, you know, whether they were guilty or not guilty, just try to try to show them like this is not the uh, this is not the the area that they want to be spending their life in. Right, the criminal justice area is not for them. Um, and I had one kid who who is a great kid. He he's had some struggles, um, but he's a great kid. He was charged with with assault, and. Uh, and he he just kept telling me, Mr. Harris, it, it I just didn't do it. I I did not commit this assault. It was supposedly on a on a bus. The bus has great surveillance video everywhere on the bus except for where my client and this other student were sitting. Uh, you can see like a quarter of what them. are the odds? I know it is. It's so it is like crystal clear, um, and you can see like some movement, but like nobody else on the bus is concerned. The students walk off the bus perfectly fine. There's no tears. There's no drama on the bus or anything like that, right? Um, and we set it for jury trial. Uh, and I gotta be honest, Andrew, I've never had. I've I've done a lot of jur- I've done a lot of juvenile work. I've never had a juvenile jury trial. Um, and so, hey, yeah, any of our either. listeners, we would love to talk about juvenile law on here. Um, I have done certification hearings. I've done detention hearings. I've done very serious cases. We can talk a lot about, you know, the juvenile justice code and all that kind of stuff. I've never had a jury trial on a juvenile case. Um, 
and this was going to be the first one. It was going to be like kind of, you know, the blind leading the blind because the prosecutor, I think it had one like decades ago, but not, not recently. Right. Yeah. And the judge who had been on the bench um, in this one county for, I think since the seat was created by the legislature. So we're talking like over 20 years, he had never done a juvenile jury trial and we got that non-suit today. So, um, you know, it just, I, I called my client, I called his mom and I said, you know what, congrats to you for sticking to your guns, right? We would have gone to trial, but the state looked at it and said, it's not worth it, you know, or I can't prove it, or the complaining witness doesn't want it, uh, or doesn't want to mess with it or, or whatever the case may be. You never know how powerful it is for a defendant to sit there and say, I am not guilty. Let's take this to trial. Yeah. And like I said, if you if you really believe them, that becomes the scariest kind of trial you have. Yeah. Um, and so that's, yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, there's nothing more stressful than representing an innocent person. Right. Um, and yes, there are people who are accused of crimes who are just, who are not, not, who are not just found not guilty, but may not have done anything wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to be in that kind of situation. It just takes one officer to arrest you, and then the rest is history. Very few checkpoints along the way that are going to question an officer's decision in the moment. Right. Except for us. That's where we come in. Mm -hmm. So I think um, I think I think we've done enough of that. I you know we we talked a little bit earlier about some upcoming guests. Um, We've got. One former client, former defendant, who's going to talk about their experience going through the situation, which I'm really looking forward I'm to. I'm actually really excited about that. Yeah. And um, also, our we're going to have on our office mate. Uh, at some point in time, we've just uh, volunteered her to- We talked to her about it. Let's <laughs> talk about how CPS and criminal law intersect. Yeah. And she, we've she's not, had some really kind of crazy uh, man. stuff recently. And, and you want to talk about like trying to save- people's life Mm. deandra has done an amazing job with one of with with just the most heartbreaking case i think you could ever i uh, I don't i don't know that deandra could have cared could could care more it is almost impossible for her to care more than she's done for some of her no i it is it is incredible so i'm really excited for her to talk about not necessarily the facts of that case or anything but just just like the where the intersection is with cps cases and criminal cases. I take right. some CPS work. You've done some CPS some. work. DeAndra does a lot of CPS work. Right. She does and a basi- lot of criminal basically cases. Basically, you too. and I do it only if there's a connected criminal case Correct. or potential criminal case. Right. Um, DeAndra does CPS cases even when there's not really a pending crime. Uh, not not really going to have a crime filed. Yeah. Likely. Yeah. And 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 there are some there there could be some significant consequences on criminal cases depending on certain hearings on CPS stuff. So Deandra's going to come on and, and talk about that. Really looking forward to that. Uh, and like I said, we'll have some other guests, but we need your help. We 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 can only do so much um, thinking about people that we know. Um, Mr. Decker is much more social than I am. Uh, and so Winston, the dog <laughs> is more social than you are. I'm just, <laughs> what can I say? We're this, um, this podcast is recording is, is dragging on into my afternoon nap time. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how social I am. Um, but, but we need your help. Send us, send us some potential guests. We, we've got a whole list of some 
of people from from one of our listeners. Yeah, um, and we've reached out to several of them, and none, and really none have panned it, out. It's but all we calendaring. We we need some to, of it's calendaring. Yeah, some yeah. of it's we haven't heard back. But we are available. We would love to talk with you. Yeah. So if you read anything interesting, I, you asked me last time. Okay. So for whatever reason, I've been spending a lot of time on Instagram lately. <laughs> I sent you. I sent you a potential guest today. Yes, who I, I follow on Instagram, which is I crazy. I think that would be so cool if we can get him on just to talk about conflict resolution. Yeah. Right. Um, I also follow a former FBI agent who wrote a book. So I've got that one coming in the mail today. It's it's uh, fiction, but it's supposedly based on one of his stories. So I'm I'm kind of excited to kind of see what's going on there. Um, I, you know, fiction, those like, you know, true crime or, or, or crime related fiction, detective stories are like probably my, uh, you know, guilty pleasures. Like the Bosch series, uh, I think are amazing. But that's the only, I haven't like read anything lately. I'm just, I've got that one coming down the pipe. Because you've been doing Instagram. And man, I've been doing a lot of uh, like podcast um, listening, like Park Predators, true crime stuff. I don't know why I'm just like obsessed right now. Well, it happens. Yeah. What about you? Well, I told you about the book I'm reading or I've almost I finished reading last time, The Gifts. Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about this last time. Yep. That's why I was asking you what you've read. No, uh-uh, no. I'll pick up a new book in the next month. What about music? What are, what have you been listening to? Uh, yeah, not, not. Did I tell you, I spent, I've spent so much money recently on, on concerts coming into town. For whatever reason, Fort Worth is getting, in Dallas, I guess, too, but Fort Worth's getting a lot of great concerts because Dick, we have the Dickies Arena. Yeah, Dickies Arena's really been, I hear it's, it's a kind great of the new venue. place to go for a concert. Let me tell you, I've been on this, like, 90s punk rock, uh, like, kick lately. So I've got tickets to see No FX coming on their All last right. on their last show, uh, last tour. I've got Blink One Eighty Two this summer. All right, I went to the show last last year. It was incredible. And then um, I got tickets to Green Day and Smashing Pumpkins coming in September. Wow, how old are they? So okay, so all these like '90s punk rock people have been coming out with new albums. So we've got some well, forty-one. Because, it's because the people that listen to them in the '90s are now in their forties and fifties and have money. Have money to go. Yeah. So some forty-one came out with a, new, a great album. They've got a great song, "Landmines." It's it's incredible. So all these like people that I loved, you know, in high school, are now coming out with stuff that I mean, it's probably some of the best work uh, uh, in their in their catalog. Green Day's new album. Well, is, Billy Joel just released a new album. He hasn't released an album. Somebody in like from your high school, forty years. years. <laughs> um, yeah, I did not that know might that. Or might not be I true. Love Billy I'd Joel. rather not talk about that. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think it's some of the best work, you know, uh, in their catalog. Green Day's new album is incredible. You download it if you don't have it. Blink One Eight Two's new album is incredible. Some Forty One's album is incredible. I God, that sounds so lame right now. Beyonce's releasing a country and western album. Yeah, evid- it's number one. And Dolly, Evidently it's Dolly like Parton is giving it praise on the on the Insta. No, it's that's right. I'm also on the Insta. I are, just, yeah, I don't you spend are as much time as you do. Uh, I hear it's incredible, um, but that's on my list to to listen to also. But yeah, it's like number one in all the country music charts and pop charts. I think. I mean, she is a Texas girl. She's gonna she's, she's gonna girl? know some Houston girl. She's gonna know some country. Yeah, yeah. So, I love it. Well. 
after all that said, follow us on, we're not on Insta. Obviously, I need to get us on Insta. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Look us up online. Um, we'd love to have you on the show. Make sure you tell a friend or a loved one. Drop a review. Those are the things that help us grow um, in listeners. And with that, for Mr. Harris, I'm Andrew Decker. And for Mr. Decker, I'm Andrew Harris. Y'all be good. <laughs>